This is a Commune podcast. your host a marketer by profession a poet and podcaster by passion in bulletproof you'll meet incredible women who have turned their harshest adversities into their biggest wins to rule the world bulletproof so today i have manisha siwal as my guest i actually first met manisha in singapore at a forum in early 2019 and have been honestly a fan ever since manisha based in singapore is the group chief marketing officer of southeast asia's largest automotive marketplace caro and also since 2020 the ceo of jualo.com she is listed amongst one of the world's 100 most influential cmos and top 50 women leaders in asia she is an ex corporate star who took the plunge into the startup world in 2018 Those are some amazing professional accolades Manisha and thank you so much for being on bulletproof. Thank you so much Dipashri. Yeah, I wanted to start by uh asking you a little about your growing up years in India, you know, some some tell us about some fun anecdotes. Like you're such a fun person. Uh I want to hear about <laughs> your childhood and some key influences there and some fun stories. Okay. So okay. when I was doing a half years old uh my i used to go i tried to take this swimming i mean, essentially follow my brother because he's older than me go for swimming and i used to hold the side of the the pool you know and i was so scared the legal age to get inside the pool was 3 but i think i was slightly tall so they let me in right. so i was just holding on to the side and then my mom saw that and she said you have to jump you cannot keep holding on i said i can't then you can i can't and she said ask me why don't you come up show me you know that adjust your whatever i was wearing you know yeah. those balloon yeah right? yeah yeah and then she just asked me up and then she said see 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 there's something in the pool can you get it from me is it what and she pushed me and i fell like far away from whatever i've been holding on to for the past one week and i was like wow and i was so scared i said like, oh my god i'm going to drown this is it this is the end of me whoa bye bye world yeah. and then of course I floated up, and then I started using my arms to come back towards the side of the side of the pool. And then I thought, "Hey, this is quite empowering. Mm-hmm. This is quite interesting." And I think that was sort of my first uh, experience of uh, taking the plunge, even though I'm not ready mm-hmm. for certain things. Honestly, you will never be ready. Mm-hmm. One and a half year old kid throwing the water. Uh, my mom to thank for that. So that's one one interesting one. The other one is on skates, right? So skating, I love I love uh, anything to do with mobility. I love skate. I wanted to teach myself how to skate, and I I got these skates, but uh, I had no adult at home to teach me. So I just went round and round near in from my neighbor from my house to my neighbor's house, and I must have gone like a thousand times. And it's not much; it's probably like just a few meters only. And I taught myself how to skate in. Four hours, I just fell and I got up and I fell and I got up and I fell and I got up. And when my mom came back from the hospital, she she's doctor, then she got a shock. She said, "How do you know?" I said, "I just told myself, you know what? I will just do it." And and uh, I think that's another thing that I remind myself that when you want to learn something new, 
you will fall, but you have to get up. You fall and you get up. And every time you get up, the next fall is not going to hurt so much. So, so that's the second S. So swimming is done, skating is done. And the last one is scooty. So I got myself a TVS scooty when I was barely, not even barely 18, uh, just to travel to my university. And I loved it so much. I used to drive it like a maniac. And if I can, and all the aunties in my colony, right? So, you know, we have the, the government housing, all the aunties there. They would judge me. They would be like, oh, you know, Manisha can even drive a helicopter. Something. <laughs> and my mother used to get my complaints. And the good thing is she didn't really bother much. And that, that to me was my sort of first feeling of freedom. Yeah. Having your own people, you know, just going crazy. Uh, and I think these three sort of episodes have defined how I look at life. So yeah, growing up in India was crazy, man. It was no rules, nothing. Just wow. You know, like, like you were what, like, this is your story from like infancy to like semi adulthood, right? Like 18. Yeah. But I'm already picking up so many strands over here. Like just the way you've been brought up, it's about actually taking risks or taking the plunge and not necessarily mm. really worrying in your head about what could go wrong. <laughs> and I, I can sense like your mom had to have a lot of courage to push a two and a half year old in for you. <laughs> But then this, this was sort of the fun growing up years in India. And I remember you telling me when we last chatted that, you know, it was a fairly comfortable life. And I think you went to uh, one of our most premier uh, B schools, right? Tell me a little about that. Yeah. So, so I graduated from St. Stephen's, which is also very prestigious. I did history honors. And then I uh, did my MBA to at I am Bangalore, which is very, very prestigious. You know, already women are very few in business schools, right? So it was almost like 80, 20 ratio. Mm. And on top of that, I was the only one who was from the humanities stream who made it. So oh, I was only history honors who made it into a business school where I had to suddenly learn financing, accounting, uh, statistics, uh, regression analysis, uh, supply chain management. I mean, these things I have never even studied in my life. Oh. And I had to do it at a level of, you know, master's now. And I tell you, my first year was very difficult. It was very painful for me. Uh, so it was a very humbling experience. But at the same time, it made me realize I have to focus on my strengths. Otherwise, I'm not going to survive this. So what I did is I realized that I was good at uh, subjects like marketing, organizational behavior, economics as well. I was quite, quite, quite good with these subjects. And, and I had to then humble myself and reach out to my classmates who were, you know, from IITs. So, you know, the engineers, uh, very, very quantitatively inclined people. Uh, and I said, look, uh, I can help you with that, those subjects, but I need your help with these. So it was a bit of a, uh, uh, a trade-off that I, I would say the first probably bargain that I had to strike in my life. Uh, and it was very rewarding. It was very interesting. Otherwise, I tell you, I would not have made it. But, it, but the biggest learning there was working with different cultures and big, more than that, focusing on your strength. Second year, I, once I took my, my master's in marketing, my major in marketing, well, I flew like anything. My grades were like top notch. So I have picked up three things here. I think it's very important that we always focus on our strengths, not weaknesses, because yeah. uh, that, that balance will need to be struck time and again in life. Asking for help uh, doesn't devalue us or our intelligence in any way, like you just told us. And also in that help, I think the value exchange that you managed to create by helping them, how can I help you win is necessarily a really nice philosophy for life, right? Um, yeah. So yeah, thank you for sharing that. 
So Manisha, so uh, this was, I mean, being graduating out of, uh, of I Am Bangalore uh, is, is obviously a really, really um, cool and smart thing to do. But in 2003, uh, at a fairly difficult time, actually, like I, I think 9-11 would have just happened a couple of years back. And I think that was also the year that SARS was happening. You actually made a life changing decision. Tell us about that decision and what brought it on for you. Yeah, well, I decided to uh, leave India and come to Singapore. So that was that has been life changing for me. And what caused it? Well, I uh, I had a boyfriend that I was very very fond of, and he was there, and uh, I just wanted to hang out with him. So that that was quite life changing because in India I already had a job, so I I had a very cushy job, right? I had uh, I was the area sales manager for Gujarat State or mm-hmm. Denon. There's a huge FMCG company. I had like almost more than 70 people, seven zero people reporting into me at the age of 22, uh, which is very cushy. I had a housing allowance. I had a car, a chauffeur. And then I had to give all that up, uh, you know, for the name of love and come to Singapore and take, because SARS had just happened, uh, economy was really bad. I had to take like the lowest paying job that you can get. in, in order to get an employment pass. Uh, and from being the big boss, who everybody calls madam, I was immediately downgraded to the lowest, I would say the, the, the minion in the company. And this was an, an ad agency. So the environment was highly, highly demanding, right? So a normal day would end around 9, 10, 11 p.m. A bad day can end 48 hours later, which means essentially you sleep in the office. It was really crazy. It was very demanding. So uh, it was it was life changing for me because uh, I think for the first time I realized that uh, you know uh, you have to give something up, and uh, it was quite life changing. And then after soon after that, you know, uh, he and I didn't last all that long. Uh, and then suddenly again, from not earning much, I was again downgraded. My lifestyle was again downgraded from say living in a condominium. I had to move into. Uh, 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 one room to I had to live I had to move in and live in uh, with an elderly couple in their master bedroom of HTV, which is a government housing, right? But interestingly, um, I, I still remember this moment, right? So I was I was uh, I had difficulties of sleeping, and I was like, "What am I doing with myself?" Because there was no family support. I didn't really have any friends. I mean, the only people you know are from work, and you can't really be burdening them with this kind of things, right? It's it's weird. So I remember having this moment where I just saw myself in the mirror and I, and I was just crying as my God, what is happening to my life? You know, I was the most popular girl on school. I had like so many options and here I am by myself, no friends, no boyfriend, uh, you know, no, no parents around, no cousins, and nobody to hang out with. And, and, and what is, what has become of my life? And then I had just this moment where I, in, in my heart, I, I had this moment where, where I asked myself, you have two choices, right? Option one, uh, you can go out right now, go to a club, get drunk, party hard. You can do it every night until you are uh, sick of it. Or you can do something that you always wanted to do, which is sports. So I've always loved sports uh, growing up. I was always a school captain. I was in the, uh, all kinds of, I told you earlier about swimming, right? Swimming, tennis, uh, badminton. I was a badminton sports captain, uh, badminton captain as well for my school, basketball, name it. I mean, I've played it. Uh, so I told myself, okay, why don't you, you know, do something that you always wanted to do? And which was, uh, I said, okay, why don't I try training for a triathlon? Oh, so okay. straight to a triathlon. Yeah. Not do a straight away. Yeah. 
I like variety in life. I think I, I'm not a runner. I, I like to do different things. So I said, okay, just go for the triathlon. No need to be like, um, you know, Iron Man. I think that's a bit too much. Um, but yeah, just just aim for a triathlon. If you can do one, that's great. And that's when I started. I bought myself a nice bicycle and I got myself a very good looking personal trainer, uh, which is also part of the motivation, right? You got to wake up at five in the morning. Right, right of course. That's him. <laughs> and uh, yeah, and, and, and uh, I trained uh, not only for the triathlon, but I was also selected as the poster girl for Great Eastern's Women 10K Run, which was the first, first all women's run mm. uh, done in this part of the world. And I was working in Great Eastern at that time. So I was like their poster girl along with a model. And I said, you know, I can't look like shit if I'm, if I'm going to cross that finishing line. I better have the stamina. So I started training. And I started getting into this groove of uh, sports. Uh, and, and as a result, suddenly, you know, I, I lost weight and I, I had long hair. I decided to just chop off my hair because it was coming in the way. And my hair just went short, short, shorter. And then what you see now is probably what uh, I realized, hey, this is not too bad. My wardrobe changed. Uh, my look changed. My confidence uh, came back, you know, 10x. And I, I haven't looked back since then. I still love sports. So I ended up doing... Not the entire, uh, so I ended up doing triathlon, duathlon, equathlon, biathlons, all of them. Uh, and the longest distance I did was a, was a half Olympic distance for a triathlon. And I'm very proud of that. But after that, I, I injured my ankle and I stopped. But at least you live to tell, right? Yeah. <laughs> it is so incredible. You know, I, I know, Manisha, you are, that's you. I figured that you pretty much uh, make everything look very simple. But, um, Having like, if I took your situation and if I do a like, you know, tracing paper over it, mine was ditto. Um, so, uh, Manisha, I know you had that, uh, you know, that epiphany moment, which I think a lot of us do when uh, struck by fairly life changing circumstances, right? Like where I feel like if I were to dramatize that, it's almost like you're sitting down on the floor and you're literally looking at the pieces of your life scattered all around and you want to decide what you want to do with it, like both the approach and the strategy, right? Uh, so I know you said you had this epiphany moment where there were two clear choices in your life. Uh, tell me a little bit about that moment, because I do feel that that's sort of the moment you decided that you were not going to let these circumstances get you down. What, what did that look like? Yeah. What were the feelings, thoughts? How long did it last? Uh, anything that we can take away from it? Well, it didn't, interestingly, you know, it didn't last very long, but it was so life-defining for me. That's why I can so clearly remember it. Um, I think that is the moment that I decided that uh, I have to put myself first. And when I mentioned sports, it's actually, if you look deep down, the underlying sentiment is, it is what makes me happy. Mm. And what has made me happy as a kid as well, all along. So I, when, I, when I'm happy, I, you know, you listen to music and, and I do sports. Uh, and, and I think that is the first moment that I realized I'm going to put myself first. I'm going to do things that make me happy. Um, and that was it. And I just took the plunge and uh, I've never looked back. I think this is a really good life tip, Manisha, that you've given. Um, I'm, moving on. I'm moving on to 2008. Um, you know, you have mm. had sort of five years to recover from that personal crisis that you faced. And then comes the financial crisis of 2008. Tell us about what happened because that is possibly one of the worst professional crisis that anyone, any working professional can imagine. So 2008, when the financial crisis happened, um, 
Um, so my my so I was working with a, a very large bank back then, and uh, they decided that uh, for the insurance marketing team, there were, we were four of us, and they decided that the three of them would be absorbed by the bank side, and I was working on the insurance side. So what that meant was suddenly four people's uh, job fell on my shoulders. Mm. And I knew that there's so much work to be done. And I remember my CEO uh, calling me in his office and he said, Manisha, you know, uh, you know, the crisis has happened. People are, are losing jobs left, right, center. Uh, and I know it's a lot of work, but you have, you, you have to either make it or you break it, you know, but you have to give it the best shot. And I told him and I said, don't worry, I will make it. Mm. Uh, and that was life-changing for me. In fact, I would say that was, so that was career-defining for me, that, that particular moment, because what happened was suddenly, because I was uh, doing four people's job and everybody knew that, a lot of the barriers that happen or the silos that are there in, in large corporations, right? Oh, you're, you're marketing, you only handle this part of marketing, you don't handle the other parts. Suddenly, all the silos are broken. And I could reach out to anybody in the bank and ask for, oh, this is this piece of research that you're doing. Can I, can I be part of it? Suddenly, I was pulled into regional projects that were, hap- that were happening uh, that I would never get a chance to get involved in. Uh, things about branding PR, I would have never picked up if it wasn't for uh, that particular crisis that happened. And not only life, but I was also pulled into like general insurance and all these different you know, parts of the bank. Uh, and if you ask me, that is the time when if I really learned marketing. Okay, I must say, I worked, I worked my ass off. I, really, I used to start working at 8, 8, 8.30 in the morning, and I would work all the way to 11, midnight. Uh, I would be the last person to leave uh, every single day. And I would work sometimes and come back over the weekends because there was just so much to be done. I was, I was, I was overwhelmed, but I, I wanted to make it. And I really, I must say, I turned that... Um, that crisis really into an opportunity. Yes. And I did not see it happening at that time. Honestly, when I was in it, I was like, I would just tell myself, be thankful you have a job. Be thankful you have a job. Be thankful you have a job. And that's how I lived like day after day after day, giving it my best shot. Um, and really, I, it went from not only, in the end, not only did, did I learn almost all the major uh, verticals of marketing, but also I was uh, nominated for a global award. Uh, it's called the World's Local Hero Award. And I was from the insurance side and insurance part of business never gets nominated for award uh, for some whatever reason. And uh, I was nominated for that award. And on top of that, I was rated as a number one on a scale of one to five. So one is somebody who always exceeds expectations. Right. And those people are usually in a three and that's considered okay. But I was, not, I was given a one and and Thankfully, you know, my bosses, they fought all the way, you know, they justified it all the way to regional and to the group, why I deserve that one rating. And that was just phenomenal because, you know, earlier we were talking about me living in a HTV with an elderly couple in a, in a, in a master bedroom. I got such a good bonus. Thank God for that one rating. I bought my first condominium. Okay. Oh my God. Okay. Wait. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. oh, that's so awesome. I mean, yeah. it's incredible though. And uh, I mean, there's so much to learn. So I want to, I want to sort of uh, probe into this a little more, especially as women, you know, both of yeah. us are passionate about that subject. Uh, Manisha, what would be your specific advice to women? What are some of the specific steps you think they can take? I think specific steps would be number one, 
you know, we need, we need something that keeps the momentum every day. So telling yourself, that's how I got through was, you know, be thankful you have a job. So if you do have a job, even though it is very demanding, the hours are a bit crazy. If you can pull through, it will, it will pass. It's not going to be like this, you know, forever. We, we all know that. So, so number one, make sure that you tell yourself that if you're thankful in the heart, you know, you will not be frustrated. Right. When you're not frustrated, you have an open mind. When you're open mind, you, are, you, you can absorb a lot more. You can ask the right questions. You don't come across as somebody who's negative, even though everything around you is, is pretty much collapsing. Right. And people, even your colleagues, would welcome some, that kind of energy. So when I would reach out to somebody and ask, hey, uh, I know this is this research project going on and I'm supposed to work with you on that. Had I come across as somebody who's very jaded with life, mm. I tell you that it would have shut. Mm. So you have to make sure that you take care of yourself first, mm. get your attitude right, get your energy right, and then take that opportunity. Every crisis presents an opportunity to really upskill yourself mm. because no uh, nobody's going to question why you're trying to upskill, why you're trying to, trying to nose around, why you want to learn new things. Um, do you reach out to anyone for help at that point of time? I ask this question specifically because I genuinely think, uh, myself included, I don't think we're really good at finding or asking for mentorship or sponsorship within the organization or outside. At that yeah. point of time, who was your pillar of uh, support or mentorship, uh, if you will? There was, one, there was one lady now that you mentioned, right? So her name is Vasha, Vasha Bipin Chandra. And she was the CRO, the chief risk officer at that time. And she saw me uh, working, you know, every night. Every time that she's leaving for home, every night I'm there. I'm just sitting there, I'm sitting there, I'm sitting there. And there was one day she walked up to me and she said, Manisha, what are you doing? I mean, someone, you know, you're young, you should go out. Go you Do something with your life. Why are you sitting here? And I told her, I'm waiting for the printer to email me uh, so I can send something for printing tomorrow. And she said, oh, why don't you just check it on your BlackBerry? Okay, this conversation happened. This is when the BlackBerry was big. And I told her, Vasha, my grade doesn't allow me to have a BlackBerry. And she said, what? That's bullshit. I said, no, it's true. You know, I, I'm only an AVP. I don't get a BlackBerry. And she said, yeah, but you're just wasting your life. Okay, never mind. Let me settle it for you tomorrow. And she, I don't know who she spoke to, but the next day I was given a BlackBerry just so that I don't sit in the office and wait for the printer email to come. Yeah, it's incredible. And we are still in touch. In fact, her son is now interning at Caro. Can you imagine? I love that. I love that the, it came back. So um, I'm going to move us along to uh, sort of the last turning point that we are going to talk about now. Uh, so with all this success, I mean, uh, I think almost, 10 years later, you take a decision to quit uh, what is very obviously the cushy corporate sector uh, and a very successful one at that for you and plunge into a world of startups back into 018. What made you even consider this? YOLO. <laughs> I was expecting that. <laughs> well, it's not just that. Well, the thing is, I, so multinational, I think I, I could tell that I had like you said, very cushy job. Things were easy. I, I've been I've been in life insurance or insurance industry for more than a decade, um, and I was I knew that I I needed to I was getting too comfortable, mm. and I needed to do something that will shake me up, will wake me up, uh, and uh, essentially uh, also test whether am I really relevant for the times. 
And, uh, you know, you, I can attend any digital marketing course and that's fine. And, and, but you never really know, right? You never know until you're in the thick of it. Right. So I wanted to do something that will, that will challenge me, that will make me grow uh, and also prove whether whatever marketing I've learned, is it really true or is it I'm just relying on uh, ad agencies to do the job for me? And budgets. Yeah. And budgets and big budgets, right? We have million, millions of dollars to spend every year. So, so I did that. So, so that's, that's more the professional reason why, but also there was a, a, a reason that's close to my heart, which is cars, right? So I love cars and I've, I've loved cars all my life. My God. And uh, uh, the, the boyfriend I was telling you about, when we broke up, the first thing I did was I bought myself a car. Well done, you. <laughs> I support it. So, so yeah, I, uh, also because it, I think the whole proposition spoke to me when, when I heard about Caro and it was about cars and digitizing the space. And, and, and uh, as a customer, you know, I've, I've been the jaded customer who has changed uh, 10 cars in 14 years mm. by buying something. And when I heard that, hey, you can actually use technology to digitize, that's kind of cool. You know, why don't, why don't I try to be, be part of something like this? So it was a mix of something that spoke to my heart which is cars, my skills, so the mind as a marketer, but at the same time also challenges myself and uh, really see whether I can make it with like no budgets or super low budgets. Uh, yeah, it was ready to test it out. And then your dad uh, said something very interesting to you. I remember during this time when you were contemplating, oh, yes. which honestly for someone at a very senior role in, in any organization is actually a difficult task. Uh, uh, like I always say, you make things look easier than they are. Yeah, he did. Well, the thing is, you see, I, I, uh, I, I don't really talk about this much, but the fact is I had to take a pay cut, right? To, to come and join a startup. And there were so many allowances that I had in the multinational. Uh, so it was just so comfortable. I mean, just to get my fixed teeth fixed, even though they doesn't, they don't need fixing. They're like thousands of dollars of you know allowance. Come to me, I, I need. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I mean, it was it was a very pampered lifestyle. So you know, and then when I I asked my parents, like, hey, I'm I'm thinking of doing this. What do you guys think? My mom was supportive, but my dad was a bit like, are you out of your mind? You have you have you know Aviva, HSBC. Okay, Marie, these kind of big brands you work for. Now you want to work for a company that I've never even heard of. I, and uh, he, was, he was quite worried for me. And uh, then he heard of the pay cut. He's like, are you really crazy? And then there's like all these allowances are gone. Insurance also, you know, would be, would be reduced and stuff. It's expected, right? It's a startup. Come on. But uh, being a daddy's girl, I think he was worried. So, so initially he was worried. But later he, I think in a couple of days when I called him again, he narrated a poem to me, right? Which is, uh, which is a poem that he learned as a kid. And my mom also knows that poem. But uh, the crux of the poem is, it's in Hindi, I, I can't remember the words, but the crux of the poem is uh, that it's, it's about a drop of water, so a raindrop that is falling from the sky, right? And as it's falling, it's doubting itself. It's thinking, hey, if I, if I land on a volcano, I'll just turn to steam. If I end into a swamp, I will just turn to dirt, right? If I end into an ocean, I will just become like, like everybody else. So what's going to become of me? And as she's, she's falling down, she's thinking all these things. But in the end, as she really falls on earth, it was, it was, there was a little uh, seashell opened up and she ended up inside the, and she turned into a pearl. So that's the beauty of the poem. And when he read that to me and, and he said, no, so, so don't think so much. I think you will, you will become a pearl. 
you will be fine. I don't know if you have Hindi listeners, but I think the poem is called Ek Boon Giri Pani Ki. Achha. Okay. It's beautiful. Yeah, and I think dads know the right thing to say at all points of time. Mine used to say all very similar things. And the yeah. crux of which was uh, you have infinite potential, but you have to believe that that's the case. Others will make you doubt. It's beautiful. Wow. Um, but I have one last question, which I think will be of sure. interest to our listeners. So, Manisha, um, do you have any thoughts or any tips on how women can consciously upskill themselves or develop themselves or even project their personal brands externally to rise or graduate from the uh, sort of dreaded middle management to, uh, if that's indeed their ambition, to go into top management? Yeah, so my, my personal hack is, um, if you're not growing in an organization, then quit. Get out. Honestly, don't waste your time. Because whatever age you're in right now, you're not going to be this age forever. And, you know, whatever age you're in right now, you're not going to be employable forever. And that's a, that's a hard truth of life that I also tell myself. So I've had instances where my boss, uh, who probably didn't like me for whatever reasons, did not want to promote me. And she couldn't give me a reason why. Right. Another one happened where uh, I wasn't promoted because the HR, head of HR thought my clothes were too nice. And uh, these are the kind of things that happen when you are sort of stuck in a middle or slightly more middle to senior level. Yeah. And uh, uh, they don't want you rising up because they know that you will make it. Mm-hmm. So have that. So what you do, so what works for me is have that conversation with your line manager to say that I think I'm ready. Mm. Uh, to go to the next level. And if you think I'm not, then tell me why and let's document it down. And you can sense whether the line manager is genuinely interested in uh, growing you or in grooming you. But if you can tell, and they will put a plan, if they, but if you can sense that they're not interested, don't waste your time. Okay, find an opportunity elsewhere and, and get out. And while you're doing that, always, always upskill yourself regularly because only we have the interest. Our career is actually in, only in our interest. Yeah. It's unfair to say that, oh, you know, the company is going to groom me, groom me. My boss is going to groom me. My mentor is going to groom me. No, it is in your interest to make sure that you are always in demand. Your skills are in demand. You're employable. Super, super helpful. Couldn't have put it better. Um, this sort of is, uh, we're moving towards the closing of this episode. So a couple of, again, uh, sort of more personal questions. Uh, how has Manisha changed as a person? Who was that and who, yeah. who are you now? Well, she was someone who was seeking happiness from outside. But today, what you see is very contented from inside. That is so nice. I think we'll need another episode to just get to the, how do you get to contented from inside? (laughs) But before that, Manisha, uh, the related question I had was, um, I've always noticed you to be so positive and also humorous, right? You make it look really easy, but is there a secret or a talisman that you do on a daily basis that makes you this person? Wow. Okay. Every day. Okay. I don't do every day. I exercise five times a week. Okay, that is that really works for me. Otherwise, I'll be quite cranky because it's all the pent up energy got to get out. But otherwise, I have a uh, I have a mantra in life, right? And I don't know. So we are connected on WhatsApp, uh, and if you just see my WhatsApp status, it probably hasn't changed for a few years now. Uh, it says that there's nothing lost or wasted in this life, and this is a quote from Bhagavad Gita yeah. that I believe in very strongly. Uh, all it means is that you know sometimes you feel regret. Uh, sometimes we feel that, oh my God, you know, that thing was such a waste. Oh, what if I do this? Uh, you know, would it be uh, meaningless? 
And by saying that to ourselves and by speaking a certain way to ourselves, we actually, uh, we actually don't do justice to ourselves. We, we actually hold ourselves back. So I'm very conscious about the way I speak to myself internally. Mm. I to myself very gently, very politely, and with very strong uh, positive affirmation almost all the time. So that quote has helped me, which is, again, that there's nothing lost or wasted in this life, is just go and do it. Don't overthink. Mm. Uh, think is fine. Yeah, and I think when you take yourself lightly uh, and you can laugh at yourself a little bit, I think the world can also see it. And then everything is okay, actually. And that's probably where the contentment also comes from. I love it. I love it so much. Um, where does Manisha go from here? Honestly, I, I've actually been thinking about, about either writing an ebook or a book, something that helps women uh, come out of the, that, that ceiling that they have, or just, just even women who want to join a startup, because I feel multinational has a very, is a very boxed up culture in comparison to a startup. And if you really want to unleash your talent and really see what you're made of, right? More women should join startups and mm-hmm. tech startups. And I'm thinking of coming up with either an ebook or a book that, that talks about uh, a survival's guide for women um, on, on surviving a startup. And it could even be a male-dominated industry like automotive. How do you survive a tech automotive startup as a woman? And if, if there are certain tips or certain tricks that, that, that even one woman can pick up from my sharing mm. and can be a better version of themselves, and can, can really maximize their potential, I think it's a life worth lived. I, I think I've done my job here, honestly. So that's what I'm thinking of next. I'm just going to say that I'll be the first one to buy that book. Uh, and <laughs> how, do you, how do you celebrate your life um, has been a series of you know, wins over adversities. How, how does Manisha celebrate this win? And more importantly, how do you take care, care of yourself in this entire process of recovery during this entire process? I, I've realized that, you know, you have to put yourself first. So I do things that make me happy. And they're just small things, simple things. It could just be, you know, taking a drive and then listening to my favorite song. It can make you very happy, you know, you'd be surprised. Yeah. Uh, it just mean a, a, a small evening, you know, with just a couple of friends and having a, a sashimi. I just did it last night. So my birthday is around the corner. And uh, I told my friends, I just want to have sashimi, nothing else. I haven't had sashimi for six months because of COVID. And it was just a $15 sashimi. And I was over the moon. (laughs) (laughs) I really find happiness in the simplest things uh, in life, Dipashri. My my friends were thinking of, you know what, to get me for birthday. And they kept hounding me. I tell you, I cannot find, I cannot think of anything except for, oh, let's just go for a meal. Because I'm just very contented. I have everything, you know. Thank God for that. I'm very blessed. Uh, but yeah, I think the, what I do is I just find small ways, small things that make me happy. Yeah. And it's really the small things that do make me happy. It's not the big stuff. I can totally resonate with that. Uh, you know, we call this the bulletproof adversity banishing framework. I, I really should come okay. up with a better name and we should talk about what that name is. <laughs> but Okay. Tell me three distinctive, specific things women can or should do to recover from adversity, to live an inspired and inspiring life. So the three things that you can do, uh, number one, put your happiness first. Because I strongly believe if you are not fulfilled yourself, you can't give to others. Right? After all, you can't pour from an empty cup. 
right? So you have to be fulfilled yourself first. So that's number one. Second is always speak to yourself gently. So even if you make a mistake, uh, you know, because the way we speak to ourselves actually impacts how we view ourselves and it affects our self-confidence in, at very subliminal level, uh, but it affects our happiness. So always speak to yourself gently. Even if you make a mistake, it's okay. Don't be so hard on yourself. And number three is don't overthink. Don't overthink things. You can give yourself maybe a day to think about a decision, but that really means a day. So be disciplined about that and then just do it. Or if you're not going to do it, then don't do it. But don't keep, keep thinking again and again because that's a total waste of time. So those are my three hacks. Amazing. You know, Manisha, I feel like I have taken such copious notes. If you're not writing that book, I'm ghostwriting it for you. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> no, but seriously, like, honestly, I, I am just, um, to me, like uh, theories are really great. And I do, I have spent a lot of time in the last one year since I've been back here uh, thinking about what you just said, the mind. And uh, I actually did a two-day course where I tried to understand uh, the breakdown of the mind and how we are only using 10% of our minds and how the 90% actually never gets used because there is a certain skill that you need in order to uh, sort of access that, right? Um, I, think, uh, I think for me, a couple of things stand out. First of all, uh, I have always wondered what your Duracell Energy Bunny secrets are. Now I know some of them. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, so thank you for sharing that with us and for with all our listeners. Um, second is, I think just the sheer honesty and the intimacy, the rawness that you bring to is just so amazing because I don't think leaders and professionals and successful women executives such as yourself are vulnerable enough. There is always this facade of having to be what you think you are supposed to be. Well, I'm just thinking, I don't know who gave you that facade and which book you're following. Um, that's, that's the second. And I think that one thing that I take away from this, Manisha, is uh, what you said, which I try and tell myself a lot, saying, if nothing else, I have myself. And that yes. I have myself is so empowering. And I think the fact that you are teaching us, or uh, rather, I hope that our listeners will take heed, um, the internal narrative that we talk to ourselves. A friend of mine in Singapore used to say, it's very important what the tape recorder in your head says, because that's yes. your life is going to be right. I, I, I just think we are so harsh on ourselves. I, I don't speak to myself gently enough. So thank you for all of those pearls of wisdom, Manisha. I think we are richer in bulletproof uh, because of your participation. Really, thank you a lot. Thank you so much, the question. This is amazing. I really enjoyed it. And that was a wonderful conversation with the ever effervescent Manisha. Thank you so much for listening to Bulletproof and do tune in to the next episode for yet another inspiring story. To fight and break the shackles, rising up, strong and fierce, born a warrior at heart, fighting for equality, gonna reach the top, guns blazing, a revolution won't stop, it won't stop. of energy, a spirit radiates, embrace the power, alleviate, liberate, she rule the world, Bulletproof. Welcome to Bulletproof Fire Away. I'm Dipashri, your host, a marketer by profession, a poet and podcaster by passion. In Bulletproof, you'll meet incredible women who have turned their harshest adversities into their biggest wins.
This is a commune podcast.